Welcome to It Came From The Deep, a narrative podcast series based on the novel by best-selling author Maria Lewis. Chapter 5. Kai was going mad and, in the process, driving her brother and father mad along with her. She had been stuck inside the house for six days, 13 hours and 24 minutes. To be fair, being stuck inside a beachfront mansion was most people's idea of heaven. The first few days had been spent trying to avoid any of the coverage about the attack, which included staying off the internet and not turning on the TV. After what had happened last time, Kai didn't want to see a single story about herself or what the press claimed went on. She also didn't want to see any pictures splashed across the papers. The damage was blatantly obvious in her reflection. She didn't need to view it from the other side of the lens as well. At first, a few reporters had staked out positions at the front of the house. When she had avoided stepping out the door or leaving the property, the interest had died off. The rest of her family was now free to come and go as they pleased. Storm, Casey and Kaya watched Netflix. Then they watched DVDs and, oh yeah, rounded that up by watching more Netflix. She hated being inactive and after six days of being allowed to do nothing more than get out of bed, walk to the couch, then walk back to bed, she was getting antsy. What do you want to do then? Asked Storm after she complained about being stuck inside for the zillionth time. Kai gave him a death stare. I know you want to go out, but you've got to stay in for at least a few more days. That scary doc said you're doing really well. It will probably be only another day or so. Ugh. She stormed off in the direction of her room. Do you want to watch Clever Man later? Insecure? Teen Wolf? He called after her. Damn it. He'd gone for her favourite shows, knowing she couldn't resist. Fine. Slamming her bedroom door, she flopped face down on her bed like a petulant teenager. Okay, she was a teenager, but Kai firmly believed she was rarely petulant. She could hear Quint whining at her door, and it hurt her heart, but not enough for her to drag herself up off the bed. Kai's phone pinged, and she ignored the message tone. She didn't care who it was. Cabby had called a few times, and speaking to her on the phone had kept Kai busy and entertained. She'd come around for dinner earlier in the week, and that had helped too. Casey had a small gathering organised for Sunday night, and Storm was helping him with it. She knew what they were both doing. Although Kaya wouldn't exactly call herself a people person, being trapped inside the house was making her loco. So if she couldn't go out into the world, her brother and father were going to try and bring the world to her, and she loved them for it. Her father was supposed to go on a mentoring trip with the Silver Swell Quest grommets in two weeks, but he'd pulled out indefinitely. He'd simply said it was because he needed to be home more, and Kaya knew that meant he was hanging around to watch out for her. When everything had gone down after the Australian titles, Casey was great initially. He'd made sure she got the best legal representation possible and went above and beyond to speak out to the press in support of her. However, she couldn't pretend she hadn't noticed the increased frequency of his trips. Since the incident, he had been home less and less, sometimes for only four days, before he was jetting off again. Kaya sighed, rolling onto her back and looking up at the ceiling. 
What she was really desperate to do was return to Lake Palutz. Not the most likely place a victim of a recent physical assault would want to return to, but she was possessed. Or obsessed. Perhaps both. She'd thought a lot about what Cubby said and thought about what she'd seen. In the hours that she'd had alone to run over what had happened again and again, she had become convinced that she hadn't been spared. She had been saved. There was something in the deep, dark depths of that lake, and that something had saved her life. Maybe she truly had lost it under the pressure of two horrendous events back to back. Maybe she was experiencing PTSD symptoms like the doctors and cops had suggested. Either way, Kaya needed to know what was in that lake. Later that night, when she was certain everyone was fast asleep, Kaya did probably one of the stupidest things she had ever done. She snuck out of the house and rode her bike to the lakes. Taking her car would have made too much noise. Between the lights and the engine, there was no way she wouldn't have woken either Storm or KC. And how would she explain it? Since she didn't know the fate of her attackers or if there was anyone else out there ready to step up and finish the job, she wasn't making the wisest choice. Yet Kai was consumed with the idea of something living in that lake. The bike ride to Lake Palutz was only 20 minutes, which was slower than it took to drive there, but quicker than it would have been if she jogged or walked. As she pedalled through the dark, the night air rushing past her face, she felt like she was pedalling towards some kind of certainty. The figure that had swept in front of her eyes and pushed the second attacker down into the depths of the lake kept popping up into her mind, along with the grey hand prying another away to give her freedom. She'd gone over it so many times, she'd started to see intricate scale patterns on the skin that she was fairly sure hadn't actually been there. When Kaya cruised down the final path to the lake edge, the entire scene was deathly still. It was almost identical to the night she had been attacked. She positioned her bike facing her quickest exit on the grass next to her so she would be ready to go at a moment's notice. She also slipped a butcher's knife out of her backpack and held it loosely in one hand. With the other, she grabbed a torch, then headed towards the edge of the path that dropped off into the deepest section of the lake. This part wasn't lined with houses, merely a few portions of shadowy bushes that looked menacing in the 2am darkness. What the hell am I doing? Kai whispered to herself. Once she found a spot that looked perfect, she crouched down and peered into the black water. Right. What now? She placed the butcher's knife on the grass next to her as she balanced herself with one hand and used the other to hold the torch up high. Skimming the light over the lake's surface, she started close to shore and moved it out as far as the beam would reach. Nothing. Not a ripple. Kai was certain there was something there. Although she had doubted herself before, she didn't now. She sensed it. It almost felt as if someone was watching her. Or perhaps she was just paranoid after her last experience at the lake. Kai wasn't certain how many times she repeated this process. At least a dozen, skimming the surface with her flashlight. An hour passed and morning crept ever closer, but she was determined to stay longer. Absent-mindedly, she had begun stacking some of the loose stones that lined the edge of the lake to pass time. There was one wobbly column constructed when guilt finally got the better of her 
and she thought about how angry Storm and her father would be if they found out what she was doing, despite their best efforts to keep her safe and inside the house. Kaya's last resort was some salmon she had cooked for a salad at lunch that day. If there was a... She struggled to even think the word. Creature? Down there? She hoped they like fish. What else could they survive on? Cooked salmon would be a rare treat, she reasoned. As she unwrapped the foil and placed the fish on the grassy edge, Kaya did one more sweep across the water with the light before giving up. With a heavy sigh, she got on her bike and rode home. It was nearly 5am when she made it back to her bed with barely a sound. No one in the house was any wiser as she lay down on her pillow, Quint snoring softly beside her with a feeling of utter disappointment. Kaya couldn't say what it was that drove her back those next four nights. Maybe it was a relentless desire to prove to herself that she wasn't mentally ill. Maybe it was boredom. Whatever it was, when she returned after 1.30am the following night and settled in at the same spot, she got a surprise. The salmon was gone, as she had expected. Anything edible, sitting in a park with a hundred other birds and dogs eager to snack on it, would have disappeared. In its place, however, were three small stone columns. The one she had built from the night before was at the centre, with six rocks stacked on top of each other the way she had left it. But next to it were two smaller towers with four rocks positioned in descending order. She squinted, bending down close to the piles as if to investigate any sign of life. Any person could have built these, she reasoned. This particular area of Lake Plutz was the most deserted, but that's not to say a child couldn't have stumbled upon her rock column and added two more as part of a fun game. Heck, even a bored adult walking their dog along the bank could have made them. Kaya stayed at the lake for another two hours, her hopes ignited by a stilly stack of stones. Nothing happened. No one showed. The surface of the water remained as still as the stoic pile of rocks in front of her. The last thing she did before she left was leave another piece of salmon wrapped in foil. The following night was much the same. Salmon gone, another stack of rocks in its place. The two new towers were smaller, only three rocks this time. Kaya waited as long as she could and tried to occupy her mind by flicking through the latest surf reports on her phone. She couldn't stop herself from checking the surface of Lake Plutz every few minutes. She repeated the cycle of the previous evenings, leaving fish before riding home, deflated. The fourth and fifth nights were the same and she was growing agitated. Had she genuinely gone nuts? Was everything all in her head? Was there some local kid chuckling away to themselves every day as they added to the stone pile? There were eight columns now, and Kaya still had no idea who was adding to them. Frustrated, she pedalled home in a huff. Cabby came over that next day, along with some of KC and Storm's friends, for the barbecue they had promised. Kaya's stitches had been removed a few hours earlier, and her lips were feeling strangely liberated. She kept running her fingers over her skin as she tried to grow accustomed to the sensation. It was twilight, and the small party of about ten was sitting in cane chairs on the balcony outside as her father cooked sausages, kebabs, mushrooms, onions and patties on the barbecue. 
KC was the only person allowed to touch the elaborate cooking monstrosity, which was his pride and joy. He chuckled at something Storm said to him, and Kaya noticed he was wearing a novelty apron. Oh no, she muttered. What? asked Cabby, following Kaya's gaze to the apron that depicted a cartoonish version of a woman's body on the front. The stylized figure was wearing an Australian flag bikini. He has a rotating collection of hilarious aprons, Kaya explained. He even has the male version of that one he's wearing now, with the cartoon dude having a hairy chest and fluorobudgy smugglers. At least it's not a chef's hat, she suggested. You know, I'd almost prefer that. It would be more earnest. Cabby watched Casey thoughtfully as she took a swig of her beer. I like it. You would, Kaya laughed. Storm handed them paper plates loaded up with meat and seared vegetables all fresh off the hot plate. He offered Kaya a beer, testing the waters, but she shook her head and gestured to the diet ginger beer in her hand. Diet? he asked, scrunching his nose. Since when do you drink diet? Since normal ginger beer is too strong, it burns my throat, she replied. He nodded with understanding before leaving the women to their own devices. They ate in comfortable silence for a few minutes. How are things going with Imogen? Kaya asked. Cabby grinned, batting her eyelashes with faux innocence. That good, huh? I don't want to alarm you, but a few more dates and I think I might actually be seeing someone. Cabby, Kaya exclaimed. That's so great. I'm really happy for you. I thought it... I know, I know, I kind of thought that too, that it would just be casual and then probably get awkward. But I really like her. She's a sweetheart, Kaya added. Right? At first she seemed a bit dim, but once you get to know her, are you going to meet the parents and everything? Whoa, slow down. We're not quite there yet. But she's out, right? Yeah. She came out to her folks when she was, like, 13. Brave kid. You came out to your parents when you were 16. I still think that's pretty damn brave. It's okay. Cabby smiled at the compliment. Although my parents are African, so I think I get bonus points for that. Totally. Cabby had finished her plate of food long before Kaya finished hers. With her lips still slightly tender and her injuries fading, she was taking her time. She felt her friend watching her as she ate and she glanced up. What? What is it? She asked cautiously, certain that she had sauce or something smeared on her chin. How are you? Cabby asked. You seem a little less stir-crazy than the last time we hung out. I'm... I'm okay. I never thought I'd miss people whispering about me and giving me weird looks, but I'm actually keen to get back to training. I wouldn't be if I were you. Bibi has been slamming us. Cabby cast a look over her shoulder to where their swim coach was standing with KC. The pair were engaged in an animated discussion and just from looking at them, Kai could tell it was about the good old days on the surfing tour. Anyway, Cabby said, he'll probably take it easy on you when you're back, not that you would have lost that much form in a few weeks. Storm took me for a few long jogs along the beach when Dad was out, and I've been cycling, so hopefully that will have helped. Cycling, Cabby said, grasping Kai's words. 
Cycling where? Um, nowhere. Just on Dad's exercise bike. Upstairs. Kaya, her friend whispered, voice dropping low. You are the shittiest liar I have ever seen. Why do people keep saying that? What the hell have you been up to? Kaya felt her pulse quicken as Cabby's gaze seemed to pierce right through her. Before she could stop herself, she was pouring out the details of what she had been doing those past few nights. I kept thinking about what you said and what I saw and how we don't really know what's beneath us and... and I wanted answers. You have got to be fucking kidding me, Cabby hissed. Do you know how dangerous what you're doing is? I know, especially if the guys who attacked me are still out there. That's just the tip, Kaya. What if there really is something down there? What makes you think it's friendly? Just because you've been playing stone checkers or whatever. Because it didn't eat you once, that doesn't mean it won't the second time. Kaya blinked at the passion in her friend's words. You don't seem to think I'm entirely crazy though, right? You think there could actually be something in Lake Palutz? Cabby sighed leaning back for a moment and looking frustrated. Look, I don't know. None of us know. Police divers were in there last week and they found nothing. So why are you so convinced I'm going to get eaten? She made a clicking sound with her tongue, as if she was annoyed. When I was a kid, my auntie used to tell me stories about Mama Water. Mama what? Water. It's this old myth my people used to tell each other to teach kids not to go in the water on their own or to trust strangers. Basically, you'd see this beautiful woman near the shore of the ocean or a river, and she's so babin, right, that you can't help but be drawn to her. But when you finally get there, she drags you to the bottom and drowns you. Jesus. No, Mama Water. Cabby smirked. Now... Some would say the drowning was accidental. It was just her way of playing with you, and it always got out of hand. Other stories would concentrate on her luring you there. Like mermaids leading sailors to their deaths on jagged rocks. Exactly, Cabby nodded. I mean, these stories aren't unique. Every culture has them. But whether it's mermaids, mama water, sirens, sea serpents, Nessie or whatever... The end result is always the same, Kaya. What's that? Death. They always lead unsuspecting idiots, you, to their death. Kaya didn't realise she had been holding her breath, and as Cabby finished, she let out a shaky gust of air. Her friend looked worried, and she leaned forward, grabbing her hand. Look, girl, I don't want to scare you, but you should be scared, she whispered. There's enough human things to be afraid of by going back there. Then there's things we mightn't understand. But Cabby, I need to know. Why? Why is this so important to you? Because why me? I didn't deserve to be spared. I killed someone. Kaya, you know that was an accident? Sure. But Bree Tyler is still dead because of me. If there is something down there, if something chose to save me, I want to know why. I wouldn't have chosen that. Kai. Cabby looked saddened by her friend's words, clenching her hand a little bit tighter. Okay, fine. If you're determined to go back, you have to promise me one thing. Anything. You take me with you. 
It's safer if there's two of us on the shore anyway. Kaya thought about it for a moment. She couldn't explain why, but this felt like something she had to do alone. It was cathartic for her in some weird way, and yet Cabby was really worried about her. And she hadn't immediately done what so many others would have and called her a nutjob. No, Cabby believed that Kaya believed what she had seen, and that counted for something. Okay, Kaya said cautiously. What are you doing later tonight? Shit, Cabby breathed. What have I got myself into? The new plan didn't vary much from the old. Kaya left her house on her bike, riding a few blocks away until Cabby was waiting there in her car. A year older than Kaya, Cabby lived in a house with several other surf competitors and didn't have Kaya's issue when it came to sneaking out of the house under her father's nose. Kaya threw her bike in the back and together they drove to Lake Bullets at 3am in the morning. Cabby was smart, switching off her lights as soon as they drove into the car park so as not to alert any locals to their presence. While Kaya still had her butcher's knife, Cabby came armed with a baseball bat and a can of pepper spray. If the cops find us, I'm throwing the pepper spray in the lake, she said quietly, following Kaya as she led her to the usual spot that she frequented. How come? She whispered back. Technically, it's illegal, which is some bullshit when you think of all the things guys get away with. Just let us have our pepper spray, you know? It makes me feel safe. Kaya pressed a hand over her mouth to prevent a giggle. How did you even get it? My mum, Cabby beamed. She gave one to each of my sisters and me, saying that there was plenty more where that came from if we needed it. What a champ. Damn straight. This the spot? Yeah, said Kaya, frowning as she realised there wasn't a new stone pile. It was the first time in days there hadn't been an addition. What was there instead was the aluminium foil the salmon had been wrapped up in. It had been torn in two pieces and scrunched into round balls. Arching over the top of the two spheres was half a circle made out of stones in various sizes. Tilting her head to the side, Kai looked at the strange positioning of objects, and then it hit her. It was upside down. Shuffling around until her back was facing the lake, suddenly she was looking at a smiley face. What is it? Cabby asked, bat poised over her head as if she was ready to attack at any moment. She didn't bother to look at what had been left there for them to find. Instead, her eyes were trained on the water. It's, um, an upside-down smiley face, Kaya said. Upside down? Well, yeah, it's... Wait, no, it's not upside down. Kaya let out a quick burst of laughter as she realised what this meant. This is exactly how you would have made a smiley face if you were in the water she whispered, spinning around to look at the smooth expanse of Lake Palutz. No movement, no ripples, no nothing. Cabby and Kyle waited for a full hour and a half before they gave up, the excitement of the smiley face having worn off by then. Before they left, Kaya decided she wanted to leave something different behind, but she'd only brought salmon again and had nothing else to offer. Looking down at the torch in her hand, she smiled at the waterproof sticker plastered on its side. She switched it off and left the torch and fish next to the smiley face. While Cabby had silently watched her 
as she rearranged the pebbles to spell out, hi. The following evening, there was no foil and no pebbles. The torch and salmon were gone, but Cabby reasoned anyone could have taken it. Kaya's throat had finally healed up enough that she was able to eat harder food, and the two girls sat at the edge of the lake munching on chocolate chip cookies. With Cabby still on her normal training schedule, the second late-night adventure had drained her. It was less than 20 minutes before she was curled up on the grass and dozing next to Kaya, a gentle snore the only sound. For her part, Kaya managed to stay awake, and if she hadn't, she may have missed it altogether. It was close to 2am when she first saw it. She had been aimlessly gazing out over the surface of the water when, about 150 metres from the edge, a faint glow appeared. She choked on her cookie and dropped it in surprise. It landed in the water with a soft plop as the light continued to move closer. Her feet had been dangling haphazardly in the water and she yanked them out. Kai was frozen in place as the small light inched closer and closer. It was barely a few inches under the water and she watched the surface of the lake, anticipating that something would break the surface. It didn't. Instead, the light kept encroaching until, less than five metres from her, she panicked. Waking Cabby in a rush, she dragged her friend to her feet and they both backed away from the edge in a tangle of limbs. The light blinked out almost instantly, leaving Kaya staring at the once again serene surface of Lake Palatz. What is it? What did you see? Cabby asked, her speech somewhat slurred from having just woken up. I... I don't know. I thought I saw a light. Maybe. A light? In the sky? Aliens now too? No, Kaya said, unable to smile at Cabby's quip. In the water. I think it was my torch. You didn't see it? It was coming closer and closer. Cabby looked from her friend to the lake and back again. I didn't see squat. Sure you didn't doze off as well? It was... Yeah... Yeah, maybe I did. Come on, Cabby said, gently grabbing her by the elbow. I'll drive you home. Kaya wasn't sure why she had lied. She had seen the light. She had been wide awake. Yet as soon as she had woken her friend, the light had disappeared. She ran the scenario over in her mind on the drive home, streetlights flashing by as Cabby hummed along to whatever was playing on the radio. She began to feel furious with herself, what had she done? The answer she wanted had been waiting at the end of her flashlight and she had reacted like a scared little kid. When Cabby dropped her off, Kaya pedalled the final streets home in a daze. She didn't go back to sleep that night. That whole following day, she was more agitated than usual. The brief swim she was allowed in the surf with Storm and KC brought little comfort as she counted down the hours until she could sneak back to the lakeside. Kaya knew what she had to do to discover what was down there, and this time she'd be going alone. The only question, was she brave enough to do it? This chapter of It Came From The Deep was read by Sophie Parr and produced by Adam Boys at 
Thaumaturgy Post-Production Services. It Came From The Deep is the third novel from Maria Lewis and available physically from all good bookstores and library as well as online. It's also part of her Aurealis award-winning Supernatural Sister series, which includes Who's Afraid, Who's Afraid 2, Who's Still Afraid, The Witch Who Caught a Death, The Wailing Woman, The Rose Daughter, and more. This is the narrative podcast series with new chapters releasing every week and bonus episodes dropping in between with author Maria Lewis and myself, Blake Howard, breaking down the plot, inspirations, and writing process. It Came From The Deep is part of One Heat Minute Productions.